Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peachtree Hoops podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. And speaking of Peachtree Hoops, I'm here with Wes Morton of Peachtree Hoops, uh, who has agreed to pod with me in sort of an emergency basis about the end of the Lloyd Pierce tenure. Uh, we're, yep. we're talking at nine o'clock, so we did get to hear the stuff that Travis Schlenk, general manager or president of basketball operations, I should say, uh, had to say about it. But uh, just uh, maybe start with your initial thoughts on, on today's news. Uh, my thoughts were um, it, it was something that, you know, had kind of been rumored about. But I think the timing is kind of what threw me and everybody else off. Uh, there were only two games until the All-Star break, of course, that are happening in Atlanta, in a bridged All-Star break. Um, so it, it didn't seem like they would, you know, make a move at this stage. Um, but of course, you know, again, there, there's kind of been some rumors of rifts in the locker room, star players, n- not quite being on the same page as the coach, right? things of that nature. So it's sort of something that was always kind of bubbling and brewing. But uh, if you had asked me, you know, before today, I would have said, you know, more likely than not a change happens in the off season versus, right in the middle of the season. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was the, the, the timing was weird in a couple of ways. Weird just in the sense of uh, Travis said that he came to the decision this morning. The Hawks had practice, I want to say, noon or 1230 or something. I think Lloyd met with the media at 145 or 2, and the news came a couple hours after that. You know, it was just kind of weird that, that it would happen on a day where the coach actually just went through practice, kind of weird that it happened on a road trip. Uh, you know, they're they're on this swing that takes them through Florida through the All Star break, so it's pretty much a week in Florida. And it's, you know, as much as you get continuity on the road, that's that's sort of a situation where you can get something like that. But it's kind of weird to just be going home from that now and then. You know, kind of a weird parallel with last season because I think if there was one coaching decision that. You, know, you look at from the Lloyd Pierce tenure where you say, oh, gosh, that was Lloyd's fault. It, w- it was sort of the the first road Miami game last season. Right. Where yep. he had a timeout in hand and, and, you know, the timeout in hand and the ball. And, you know, he uh, kind of just let DeAndre Bembry play through an offensive position when he could have gotten Trey Young back into the game. And game went to overtime and they got uh, – they got steamrolled in overtime after that, but that was uh, that was an odd moment, an awkward one where you you know it felt like the one time where you say, well, does the coach really matter? It was like, yeah, that one, that one kind of stung a little bit, and and to, to have this happen in Miami, so almost like not really a year later because the way that the schedule has shifted, but a, a season later, if you will, was was kind of eerie. Right, uh, I believe that was the game. It, it kind of blew up on social media where. <laughs> trade motion that the game was over after hitting a shot it was that game correct right and um it clearly was not over the, the heat it was not over yeah they were up like that. seven with a minute left and right whatever it was they had a so defensive that's, that's lineup in to get a stop which included Bembry 
and the, the stop never came. They gave up the bucket and probably should have just had a timeout to get Trey back in, and they didn't. And <laughs> right, yeah, you know, Pierce Pierce was quick to accept the blame after that one. He's like, "Yep, this was my fault." But uh, for sure, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, to me that kind of represented like a like a meta- metaphor of sorts of you know. The Hawks had a lot of confidence coming in this season, made a lot of moves, kind of made the motion of, oh, it's it's over, this this playoff drought is over. And here they yeah. sit at 14 and 20, ha- having fired their coach. So it's a, sort of a modern parable of too much hubris, I, I suppose. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting parallel there, too. What do you... Um... What did you honestly think about Lloyd Pierce's 2020-21 campaign? You know, just putting aside the first two seasons, what did you think of the coaching job that he did this season? So, yeah, this is always kind of my – I always give this spiel when people ask me what I think of a coach. And the first – the one big caveat I always have is, so much of coaching happens behind closed doors, behind, you know, anything that the public can see. Right. Right? We, we see what the coach does on on game day, the decisions that he makes, you know, in, in the game. But um, so it's kind of this black box where we kind of have to uh, just sort of uh, look through the lens of what's going on in the court. So, I mean, as far as his coaching performance. I mean, he's, um, you know, one big thing that's happening is the Hawks have been in a bunch of games in the fourth quarter, not executed in the fourth quarter. Um, that blames going to, going to fall on the coach. Um, another thing is, you know, one, one pretty immediate thing that, uh, I believe you and Brad like to bring up is the coaches challenges that (laughs) Lloyd Pierce was, uh, Probably, you know, oh for some amount this season. I don't know. I don't remember him winning winning a single challenge. I wonder. I think he maybe maybe got one, but it was maybe a gruesome one. percentage. Yeah. Right. So you know, that's sort of just a judgment call kind of thing. Sort of makes you wonder when when he's, you know, if if he's, uh, you know, really the the guy to know game situations and, and management and stuff like that. But you know, on the other hand, it's coaching in the NBA is difficult. I mean, it's, there's so much you have to deal with. I think Lloyd Pierce actually, he, he gave an interview a few days ago saying, basically comparing his right. um, job as an assistant with Philadelphia to what he does as a head coach. And he was saying, you know, assistant, you sort of just, you know, you put together some game plans, you, you do this and that. But as a head coach, you're, you got to talk to players, call them on, you know, talk to them late at night, you know, handle guys that may have their wives or having uh, having birth. Lloyd Pierce himself, his wife had birth recently. And so just, just kind of all those other little things that they're difficult to deal with. So um, all I can really say is the results kind of speak for themselves. I mean, I, I think, I think Lloyd Pierce has done a lot towards the player development of some of the young players uh, the Trey Young through the years, you know, the 
the uh, DeAndre Hunter this year would have a, a breakout season before he got hurt. Um, even Kevin Herter is actually he's done pretty well. He's played. He's been a, a weapon at times. So through that lens, he's been good. But through the lens of well, the the team's performance, they're shutting down the fourth quarter and and losing some winnable games. You know that 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 comes down on him pretty clearly. Yeah, I I think you're you're making some interesting points there. I, the the fourth quarter thing is a funny one because it's almost like this team wasn't really built all that well for the fourth quarters. If you're if you're not comfortable with Clint Capella finishing games because he can't seem to make free throws down the stretch, then it's like okay, well, you know, you use Collins at center. I, I don't know, but right. I mean, I think the idea was, yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I actually, I had that question at the beginning. Clint Capella is a great player. Certainly, he's he's helped the defense a lot. But you know, those the the guys who can just catch lob and rim run and don't do too much, sort of, you know, get uh, get pulled out of their comfort zone when it, when it's time for a bucket. So. Right, I think I think the idea was to play Collins at the center, probably play Gallinari at the four, or or slide DeAndre Hunter to the four. Right. Unfortunately, Hunter's been hurt. Gallinari's been uh, he's had a, he's had a little bit of a step back from his season. Certainly, a get, um, coming over from the Thunder, he's shooting about I think I just looked he's shooting about fifty eight percent true shooting, which is still decent, but. Um, he he's he's definitely looked noticeably slower and has has not really outside of the one uh, um, thirty eight game contest against the Celtics recently just has been I would say disappointing. Yeah. So, no, I, I you know, think what do you do? That's fair. Right. So I mean, so the answer has been to play Capella down the stretch of most games, which you know that spacing with John Collins has always been a question. Both guys want to, you know, rim run, but um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's, it's a tough problem to solve. I think a lot you see a lot of Trey Young trying to take take things into his own hands in the fourth quarter because he, you know, he he feels like he's the guy. He's he's got the ball in his hands, and right. more often than not, is you know some of the late shots haven't gone in, trying to create for himself on the perimeter. So. It, like again, it's it's a tough question to figure out. That you're you're exactly right when you said you know this team wasn't really built for that in the off season. They're kind of just built to really spread the floor and shoot. You had you know you got Bogdanovich and Gallinari plus Herder and Trey, but some of those guys have been injured. And you know I love I love the hard work of Tony Snell and Solomon Hill, but they, they're just not guys you would want to rely on late in games. Yeah. I had to do, I didn't have to do, but uh, I did radio hits with, you know, with a, a station in Boston and another one in Oklahoma City over the last couple of weeks when the Hawks were playing those teams. And, you know, it seemed like they wanted to talk about Lloyd Pierce. When's, when's Lloyd Pierce going to get fired? And it, it, I mean, at least my reaction at the time was, well, maybe that's a little bit premature. Um, you know, I tried to analyze it fairly in the sense that, 
I look at the pieces on the roster that were here last season and this season, and did they get better, right? And so, you know, it feels like Trey at least is as good as last year, probably better. Clearly, DeAndre Hunter had gotten better. Kevin Herter feels like he's gotten better. John Collins, I've been really amazed with John Collins. Like, I feel like that there's a success story on the Hawks this season. It's that John Collins has sort of made a seamless transition to full-time power forward next to a rim runner, and that that's worked as well as it has. And I think the real disappointments have, have come, you know, through injuries and through the bench, like – like the player development has been there. And it's funny because, you know, Lloyd Pierce hasn't really been on a team recently uh, with expectations. You know, his tenure in Philadelphia and his tenure in Atlanta up till now have all just been rebuilding projects. And there really hasn't been that, hey, you know, it's it's time to go and do it now. It's time to win something. And I don't know. I, I look at... You know, the, the, the thing that struck me, the thing that I wasn't expecting about the Hawks that was a good thing um, was that the defense at the beginning of this season was splendid. Like the starting lineup of Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella, they were good uh, as a defensive unit. Like they were remarkable, I thought. And it was it was kind of mind-boggling. I don't know. I hadn't expected to see like a really strong defensive unit built around Trey Young. I've always kind of expected, you know, tread water on defense and, and build sort of a supercharged offense as, as being sort of the philosophy. And and I was impressed in how the defense uh, started the season, that starting lineup. And it's hard because, you know, it's a small sample. The, the defense was really good over that stretch. I think they played some teams at the beginning of the season that weren't offensive juggernauts, so it's hard to extract, okay, how much of it was they were playing weaker offenses, how much of it was, hey, there were two bigs, it's, it's actually going pretty well. DeAndre Hunter's kind of figuring things out. I don't know. Like, And you don't really get to have a big sample because he's not here. <laughs> it's like 34 games of of expectations and he's gone, you know, the, I don't think there were any expectations in year one. I don't think there were any expectations in year two. And so there's expectations now in year three, and we got to see sort of 34 games of a injury riddled roster. And I, you know, the, the, the small sample is what it was. And you just have to set it aside as a small sample, I guess. Uh, what, did, what did you think of, of some of the stuff that, that Travis said? from what you got to hear there. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he reiterated that, you know, it wasn't a an easy decision. It wasn't a decision he made alone. He made, you know, with the consultation of everyone in, in the front office or other executives, at least. Um, and that certainly he, he um, wasn't something that they... You know, he uh, the one thing he said was he had a question about, you know, the, the timing of it. Like, why, why do this now? And right. he was basically saying, well, we got together and made our decision this morning. Why wait another 48 hours? Like, it, it's not really fair to the team or, or anything like that. So um, it, it definitely sounds like there's 
been an amount of kind of uh, ramping up of this sentiment in the front office that, you know, is, is Lloyd Pierce the right guy for this? And with each passing game, it was just kind of answering the, the, the question with, you know, no, we don't think he's right for it. So, um, and then the other thing he added was he has, he has a ton of confidence in Nate McMillan. You know, there, there was a, it's kind of a weird sort of surreal part of today was uh, Pierce was fired, but the immediate report from Woj was that Nate McMillan wouldn't necessarily take the interim position. He was a, quote, staunch defender of Pierce. Right. So it was kind of that waiting period. Like, is is it going to be Nate or is it going to be a guy outside the organization? I mean, and honestly, for all intents and purposes, Nate, to a lot of degrees, is from outside the organization. He's he's only been the assistant coach for 34 games. So right. I think he's bringing that, you know, he's been a – he's been a uh, – Head coach at three stops prior to Atlanta, so it's it's uh, you know Travis, I think reiterated that you know obviously Lloyd Pierce was a first-time head coach, and things haven't gone quite as well as he and the rest of the people in the front office had hoped. So you know maybe a guy like Nate McMillan with, with tons of experience, I think. I think I believe 19 years of head coaching experience to this point, you know, if, if he can't stabilize the results going forward, then, you know, that's when you start kind of looking outside the box. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, Schlenk, Schlenk's, uh, I'm going to put the audio at the end of this. So if anybody wants to hear what Schlenk said, I'll, I'll put the audio recording of the Zoom call at the end of this so you can hear it for yourselves. But, you know, he seemed pretty upset about it. Um, if, if I'll, And I'll say this as a person who's really bald. Um, you know, if you go and try to find a picture of Travis Schlenk with hair, you probably end up, you know, finding a picture of him uh, as a Golden State assistant. He said today that... You know, part of the respect that he has for Nate McMillan goes back to when he was an assistant at Golden State and Nate was the head coach at Seattle. Uh, you know, he, he came to respect Nate's style then. Um, but, you know, Travis was an assistant coach. That's where he started. He didn't really start as an executive. He started as a coach. Uh, and, you know, he said more than once, I think, uh, that the reason he got out of coaching is that he wanted to, you know, it's, you're, it's a little more job stability to be a basketball executive than it is to be a basketball coach. Um, so when he had the decision to do it, he did it. Um, I don't know. He said a few times today that it's hard. Like it's, it's, it's hard to let a coach go. He said it affected multiple families. I don't know. It just seemed pretty shook. And yet, you know, when it came to the question of, well, you know, was this your decision or was it somebody else's? He, he said it was his decision. Um, you know, he didn't pass the buck to ownership. He said it was a a decision between him and his front office group. Um, he certainly started the press conference with a lot of we pronouns when, when talking about who made the decision. So, uh, I, I mean, he certainly wasn't alone. It wasn't it wasn't an I thing. He made it sound like a we thing, but 
when asked to clarify on the Wii, he said that it was him and his run office. I don't know. Did, did Do you think he sounded upset? I mean, I, I don't know. You know, you'll get to hear it if anybody wants to hear it at the end of this. I'll put the audio there, but it's just not so much the words that he said, but just the manner. Uh, he seemed pretty shook, and I don't say that as any sort of excuse. It just sort of seemed like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it just seemed like something worth, note, worth noting. Now who, now who has the verbal tics? Me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it happens. Um, no, no, I mean, I think it, it's sort of hard to gauge his tone just from a recording, but but I, I do believe him when he says, you know, you know, it's hard. He, he, he obviously said it was hard, but he also said he truly had hoped that Lloyd Pierce would be would be the guy to coach the Hawks for a long time. You know that you, you don't you don't think you're just hiring a guy for two and a half seasons. Well, you know when when Schling came into the job, you know you don't you don't figure like oh we're gonna have you know this coach, and then in a couple of seasons when guys get older we're gonna move to someone different. You know he he had truly hoped you know. Um, Pierce would be the one to to kind of see the the Hawks grow up. I mean, um, aid in that player development, but then eventually turn into a, a winning franchise. Um, and so, I, so I do believe him when he says that. You know, it, it's hard. You know, the other thing he he reiterated was that he understands lives are at stake in terms of uh, you know. Pierce had obviously kind of hitched his himself, his family to the the city, the community of Atlanta, and done a lot of great work for it, and that that shouldn't be overlooked. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, he, he he may have been a little little shaken up by the fact that it yeah, had come to this, but I, I think he realizes, you know. Is, is sort of job number one. He, he he even he even took ownership of uh, the team's results at one point. Um, a question was asked, you know, is it on the players for not kind of living up to some of the expectations? And Schlink kind of agreed. He, he said something along the lines of, if you if you go in the locker room and ask every single player, they tell you they they haven't played as well as they would have hoped to a man and. And Schlink even Travis Schlink even said, you know, even me, like I haven't exactly done done my um, performed my role as well as uh, possible, and this is kind of what led to it. So, so it is it is kind of one of those things. Um, I actually ended up I brought it up on on Twitter earlier today that it's sort of an unfairness in the business that you know. A lot of things in organization organization can fail, but the first thing to go is is usually the coach. Usually the coach is is the he'll take the the first fall before a player or a GM or a president of operations. So I think I think I think Travis kind of acknowledged that reality and knew that you know that just kind of is what it is in the NBA, and uh, this is the you know decision just had to be made. Yeah. It's funny that Dallas and San Antonio played tonight, and so 
Rick Carlisle and Greg Popovich, two defenders of head coaches, right? Uh, yeah. Capital D, capital H, capital C. Like they, they'll always stand up for their fellow head coaches, regardless of, regardless of outcome. And, and, you know, Rick and uh, Greg Popovich both acted completely befuddled by the fact that, that Lloyd would continue to be a head coach, but it's, it's worth noting that Popovich is going to be working with Lloyd Pierce, uh, you know, in the off season as they coach the Olympic team, uh, Popovich is head coach and Lloyd Pierce is one of the assistants. And honestly, that's, you know, for somebody who was let go as a head coach, that's about as good of a bridge to a next job as one could possibly ask for. You, know, you probably don't have to feel super duper sad for Lloyd Pierce because, you know, number one, he continues to get paid. Uh, number two, he just had his, or, you know, he and his wife just had their second child. So, you know, he's going to get to have a bunch of quality family time while he uh, gears up for whatever his next gig is. And he still gets to keep his toes uh, in the water as, uh, you know, as a not NBA head coach, but he's certainly working with NBA head coaches uh, on the Olympic team. So he'll be right there uh, in the fray, so to speak, in terms of, uh, you know, working with other people who might help you put, put you in position for your next job. So I think he's really in a in a good spot as far as uh, if he wants to continue in the NBA as a assistant, as a potential future head coach, I, I think uh, he's going to have the opportunity to work towards that again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's certainly well-respected. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a young guy. He's in his forties. Um, he'll certainly have a future opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's tough knowing. Again, you know guys like Carlisle and Pavlovich know know the person he is. I mean, um, he's 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 been an assistant for a number of years, and obviously being on the the USA basketball stage is is a big a big accomplishment for any coach. So um, I don't pretend to know what's in his future plans. I imagine for the next, you know, imagine he may just kind of sit this one out for the rest of the season, focus on USA basketball and, you know, aim for next season to, to get a prob- probable, you know, assistant coaching position. But, um, yeah, certainly I, I've heard, I've seen, read nothing, heard nothing about any negative words about Pierce. Very well respected within the NBA. Um, so yeah, it's just a tough situation. I think, you know, he, he was sort of expected to go from zero to a hundred, you know, 2018, 2019, 2019, 20 is we're rebuilding. They would never call it rebuilding, you know, within the media, but essentially that's, that was what's going on. And, you know, 2020, 2021, you know, now we've got to turn it on. We've got these high price free agents. We've got to turn it on and really compete. And I mean, 34 games is a pretty small sample size. Yeah. 34 games in a pandemic. Like your, your, your practice time gets messed with. You don't get to get the same level of 
of preparation, I don't think. I think everything's just kind of seat of the pants this season compared to other seasons. I don't think, you know, obviously coaches get to prepare and they get to think about the game, but in terms of actually having quality court time and high volume, uh, I think it's in shorter supply this year than it has been in any year in recent memory. I mean, maybe it would compare with a lockout season, but, you know, not even that really. And it's not like, it's not like this roster had a whole ton of continuity to build on uh, with all the pieces that just got here this off season. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they had the this ultra long layoff, hadn't played basketball since, you know, May or March. And there was all that. I remember there's all that drama just about setting up a practice for the, you know, the delete eight, <laughs> as they called it, the, the non bubble teams. Right. And we got all excited that they could even just go to the yeah. facilities and practice. But I mean, it's just it's just such a strange, no real off season, you know, just a tiny, tiny preseason. Yeah, the other team's you, got a month in the bubble. Yeah, the draft Hawks got, what, three practice days or something in that delete eight scenario. How many how many days did they get out of it? I think it was Monday to Friday, and they were yeah, like, was, by the time like, they got to Friday, they were like, screw it. Yeah, something along those lines, like. <laughs> So it, it, it was, I mean, it's, you know, among the most difficult off seasons you could ever have, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would personally come down on the side of it's possibly a, a premature move. move. Um, right. certainly, um, I don't think anyone really expected Atlanta to be this far below 500. Right. And things of that nature, but you know, once you take into account the, the injuries, the just the craziness of the season, games getting canceled and postponed, things of that nature, um, you, you would think that's an environment to give a guy a little bit more rope, but right. that's, that's clearly not what happened here. And you know, I don't know how much this factors into it. I mean. Like Travis said, you know, for all of his big decisions, he he signs them off with Tony Wrestler. But, you know, I think there's a certain disenfranchisement within the fan base, uh, especially as related to Lloyd Pierce this season. Uh, it always surprised me. It was like, really? You, I mean, you want to, I don't know. I, I get that, they, that this was not a perfect season. I get that there were some games that, Certainly, you would think that they would have gotten more wins just based on the number of times that they were competitive in certain games. But, uh, you know, the frustration was really high in the fan base, and you included probably some people who listen to this podcast. But if you're the owner, you have to take that into consideration. I mean, that's that's what your product is, is you're trying to you're trying to build a fan base and ultimately uh, you know, a lot of that just comes down to wins and losses and having an aesthetically pleasing product. But uh, you know, if, if, if you feel like a basketball decision is totally putting off your fans uh, to a degree where you're losing majority, that's never a good thing. Yeah. I mean, you'd hate to run those fans out of the pandemic emptied stadiums and arenas, but I mean, no, no. It's, uh, at I some mean, point, though, yeah, I, you I want those people saying. to buy tickets again, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's, you know, I 
I had at least one season ticket holder tell me that they weren't going to renew their tickets if they kept here. Now, I know, you know, fans can kind of have that kind of knee-jerk reaction, but, you know, it does matter. Like, they, yeah. you know, they, they do, you know, they can, you know, there have been three straight losing forgettable seasons. Um, I don't think ownership really wanted another fourth season without the postseason and um, just the front office may have seen this as an attempt to, Hey, we can, you know, still salvage the season and, you know, maybe, maybe this season expectations are lowered, but with some improved play towards the end of the season, maybe those expectations rise again next season and, create that excitement within the fan base, you know? So that, that is kind of the argument for doing it in the middle of a season. Um, you know, something can be taken. If, if you see some tangible improvement in the team, first half versus second half, you can, you can sit there and you can say that, okay, well, this was a positive move and, you know, give that message to, to the fan base to say, Hey, we're, we're trending in the right direction now. I saw some sentiment among uh, national basketball writers to the effect of, I don't get why the Hawks signed all these players in the offseason. The, the, you know, these young players weren't ready to win now that the, the Hawks were trying to skip steps by bringing in you know, free agent talent now. And uh, I don't get that. Like that, that doesn't strike me as the right thing to say. Um, I do think it was the time to try to improve the overall level of talent on the roster. You know, they had a couple of seasons with, uh, you know, young kids and some very fringe NBA talent, uh, a lot of which is no longer in the NBA. Um, And the young talent was progressing. And if you just, you know, when you have a roster like this, there is a time where, you know, you use your cap space for as, as an asset, which the Hawks clearly did for a while. And then if you still have uh, cap space or the cap space opens up again, once you've got that young talent on the roster, the window in which you're going to have cap space before you start paying that young talent is short. And there's there are certain off seasons in which those are the ones where, hey, this is when you're going to have cap space and flexibility to, you know, try to woo some people in and, I think the Hawks did it at exactly the right time. Um, I mean, you can completely argue, uh, you know, do you actually go and sign certain people to certain deals? Uh, And you can argue about length and whether a certain player fits. Um, But in terms of when should the Hawks have gone and started to try to make a money push to get free agents, I think they did it at exactly the right time. You know, results be damned, I think process-wise it was right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would I would agree with you, on for the most part there. Um, certainly, I think the big there's certainly a big difference between deciding to to sign some. You know, you want to sign some veterans. You want to supplement the the young core with a few, you know, older established guys, but guys who can still play. Of course, um, the cap space is there. They had they had close to $40 million in cap space this past year, you know, cap space itself doesn't win you games. So, you know, the idea of, Hey, let's, let's sign a few guys. If we can, if we can get them, 
Um, certainly, um, I, I have a few. I had a few reservations in the off season about who and how they spent their money, and right. those reservations have only grown. But <laughs> but, I, but yeah, but I mean, I would I would agree with you that just just saying, oh, we're not going to sign any free agents until we think this core is ready to make that leap to contend, but your core will never get there. It will never no. develop without, right. you know, you, you kind of have to, I mean, this, this season is a perfect example of it. You have to have those bumps and hiccups in the road during, during your maturation process to learn how to, to win, to win in clutch situations, close fourth quarters. Like you can't just jump straight from missing the playoffs to competing for a title. You, you gotta, you gotta, right. You know, you got to have a good enough team to, to show that young core how to how to win first before they can kind of take over that torch, take over that that mantle. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, if I could say, well, you know, it's it's going to be time to pay John. Which you know, if it were me, that's a thing that I would do. Um, but even if it's not pay John, pretty soon it's going to be pay Trey. Uh, you know, the franchise has given every indication that. Trey is their guy. That's the piece they're building around. Um, you know, the window until you have to pay Trey is short. Uh, and once you pay Trey and a couple other people, whether it be, you know, be somebody else or or some other young guys on the roster, that's it. That's your cap. You don't have cap space at that point. So, you know, the, the time window that they had to do this sort of thing was very short, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that gets into another discussion of you know will will John Collins be on the roster next year? But you know that's, question that's for another that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what else. What else do we have to hit on before we finish here? Uh, what, what what did Lloyd do for the city of Atlanta? Uh, did did he really have? He did. Did he? change the course of the 2020 election in some way by trying to get NBA arenas involved. That that's, uh, that's the, the case that, that Rick Carlisle tried to make today. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's obviously certainly hard to know how much direct impact to the election he did. I mean, <laughs> Lloyd Pierce wasn't on the ballot, but no, he wasn't um, on the ballot, but yeah, I mean like not, not quite. the presidential race was decided by 11,000 votes in Atlanta. And, yeah. you know, there were 40,000 votes cast at State Farm Arena. Right. No, I mean, it was actually, I mean, it really was a big deal opening up what was then Phillips Arena, which is what is now State Farm Arena, um, to, uh, yeah, for, for Fulton County voters. You know, was big. Um, it actually kind of set off a movement, a lot of the other Big big metros that hold NBA stadiums or hold hold NBA arenas um, decided to open up their arenas for for voting booths in you know a handful of other swing states as well. So, but certainly in Georgia, um, possibly swung the presidential election, possibly swung the senatorial runoffs as well. Um, later later after the the general election. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a, he's an outspoken voice in the community. Um, he was one of the ones to help lead the NBA after some of the, uh, uh, police brutality, you know, the protests, the, the events, 
um, things of that nature. He's, he's never been shy about those causes. And um, for a city like Atlanta, with, with its storied civil rights history, you know, um, that doesn't go unnoticed and certainly didn't go unnoticed around the league with, with the other NBA coaches. So I, I, I don't think it's, it's honestly understated. Uh, I think it's, I think it's about, um, it's pretty important to note that the things he did, the causes he spoke up for. And again, once, you know, if a guy like, you know, Popovich, who's, who's been around for a while is, is singing your praises. Like you, you have to, you have to just, uh, that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty big voice in, in the NBA community for sure. Yeah. Uh, there were, there were some LP moments. Um, you know, there was the one just a couple of weeks ago where Lloyd gave us about 90 seconds of, you know, how he, <laughs> he was, he was pressed on how the Hawks needed to be specifically more physically. He's like, we, we got to get into bodies. And, you know, he was pushed. Well, what does that mean? And he gave us 90 seconds of technical, <laughs> uh, technical speak on what it was that the Hawks needed to do to be more physical. Uh, there was, uh, you know, the, the, the day that the Capitol was, was breached. Um, you know, he gave us some insight that day. I, I stumbled one uh, across one accidentally this week. I went to YouTube uh, to see like some game highlights or something from, that were related to the Hawks from like this season. And, you know, screw YouTube's algorithm forever. I hate that thing. I hate the ads that it gives you. I just really hate, despise YouTube, but it is what it is. I, I needed some game clips or something, so I went to go see it. And then the video that it, that came up afterwards, or it came up after the ad, after the video that I watched, was was Lloyd Pierce at home doing a post-game presser after the Cleve, uh, I'm sorry, after the Chicago game last season. Do you remember that one? Chicago game last season. Ah, I think they, they I think he well. To, let, let me uh, let me let me clarify it a little bit. I, I think Chicago came in with some god awful roster. They had you know whatever pieces that they had. Uh, they had some injuries too, so it was a really disappointing loss. And somebody probed around for some silver linings, and Lloyd's like, "No, we were bad. It was just bad. It was bad in every possible way. There are no silver linings. It's bad." <laughs> And I say that I say that almost like it's a dark thing, but like there was a gentleness, there was a, there was a little bit of a joy and a playfulness in how he did it. And I don't know if it was Zoom, I don't know if it was the pressure of expectations, I don't know if it's just he was enjoying the job a whole lot less than he did last year. But it's like, oh my God, where did this Lloyd Pierce go? He was having fun with it. Like I don't know, there was just something. Seeing that video from last season was really stark because all sort of the, the, the glimmer and the sparkle of joy in Pierce, you know, doing his media duties, it, it just seemed like it was completely gone. And I hadn't seen anything like that for a while. And it was it was kind of a shock to the system to see. It was like, oh, my God, where did this guy go? Because he hadn't had that spark of joy uh, that he was showing in that clip uh, for a long time, I don't think, here this season. Yeah, yeah. Not, not That's not a question. I just gave you a dead pause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just – I actually think I remember the, the moment you're talking about. The, he just uh, – just sort of the emotion had drained out of his face after a hard loss. And 
you actually got i think i remember seeing um the the good folks at the jump on espn kind of oh yeah they ran with it um yeah so yeah he's i mean he's something he's someone who you know he'll kind of he'll kind of wear his emotions on his sleeves during the during the post-game press conference but makes it a little a little interesting to hear what he has to say um especially for for certain certain other outlets as well the the back and forth there that won't be named here but (laughs) well um, i think that no name them name them because i think that was a turning point this season like the story about trey and john in the locker room i think that was a big moment because from that moment on he was just like uh no he was he was dour from that point on yeah i mean i think he 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 i mean he he hears the noise he hears the the chatter of oh well you know maybe Lloyd Pierce isn't right for the job all this maybe he doesn't know what he's doing so I think a lot of that was just you know the the 90 second rant of we got to spin the ball handler we got to you know crash the boards we got to do all this and that right which was great and I think it's just his way of saying hey listen I'm I've been coaching for a long time I know what I'm talking about you know on one possession you may see one thing, but as a coach, I see five. Like I see right. ten different things that we did well. Ten different things we need to do better. So uh, I think it's you know he just sort of gets to that that point of frustration where um, a certain the 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 athletic uh, member sort of kind of poked poked the bear a little bit and <laughs> got the brunt of it. And, and poking the bear is good. Uh, you know, Jeff Schultz wrote the story this week, I think, where Lloyd said something to the effect of, you know, someday Travis is going to have to fire me and I'm not going to be bitter when he does. Um, you know, and Schultz was pushing today, uh, you know, trying to ask, you know, well, specifically of Schlenk, you know, OK, well, you've, you've, you've said that you're letting him go. But, you know, what exactly was it that was disappointing about the Lloyd Pierce tenure. And, and I think, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's good to push. Um, you know, you, you get interesting results. I, as a media person, uh, I always appreciated Lloyd's candor. I think he was very good, good to the media, not in the sense of good to us personally, but you know, he said things that weren't cliche. He said things that were actually something that you could talk about and write about in an interesting, meaningful way. So, uh, you know, that was appreciated. (laughs) Yeah, ah. yeah, he would give you a good uh, quote for those in the media, a good good soundbite every once in a while, that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, I wonder if I don't know that 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 Schultz interview with Pierce is is you know still mildly intriguing in the sense of you know he he was saying that Schlenk gave him a, a great opportunity and he wasn't going to hold any bitterness towards Schlenk and Schlenk looked kind of shook today. I don't know. I think it was just. I think, I think Pierce sort of knew that it was going this way, um, and in a sense, I think he was kind of deflecting for Schlenk in that interview. Like, I don't know whether it was responsibility for the decision or responsibility for the firing. I just, I think Pierce kind of took one for Schlenk with that interview. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and Schlenk actually mentioned that. When he sat down with Pierce earlier today, um, something along to the 
something along the effect of, you know, he was the consummate pro- professional upon hearing that he, he had been relieved of his duties, you know, he, you know, so certainly that, that kind of, uh, you know, I guess cordiality is, is, uh, something that, you know, Schlink saw in Pierce and, and thanked for him and for him to give that interview with Jeff Schultz too is, you know, certainly speaks of his, uh, uh, his character, I guess. Um, yeah. Again, maybe just taking one for Travis Link. He knows that, again, like, like I mentioned earlier, that the coaches, coaches the the guys got to fall on the sword sometimes. That's just kind of how it goes in this business. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, he's just just sort of one of those things. And I think down the line, it'll you know help him if he ever needs kind of references for a future position. I, I would assume. Well, is there anything else that I'm leaving out? I think we got to. I mean, all all there's really left is there's the Hawks have another game in Miami <laughs> tomorrow, then right game in Orlando. These these are the weirdest. The the two two games in the same place, but there's a day break in between. I almost feel like those should be double headers or or back to backs. I mean, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> but when it's in Miami, they probably don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, you don't know what could happen in between those 24 hours. <laughs> All right, Wes. Well, uh, thank you. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Uh, I looked today earlier, and it said that the last time we did this was December 24. So uh, I apologize for making you pod with me on Christmas Eve if that's something that I actually did. I don't remember doing that, but... <laughs> I don't remember that it either. Seems, but maybe it seems like something that we may have done. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't... Again, and we may have both been on eggnog at the time. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, let's do this again soon. And thank you again, Wes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Good evening, everybody. Can you all hear me all right? All right. Um, listen, um, I appreciate you all taking the time out to join us this evening. Um, I'd like to open up by thanking Coach Pierce, LP, and his wife, Melissa, for everything they've done uh, for the Atlanta Hawks organization and really the city of Atlanta over the last uh, two and a half years. Um, any any time you make these decisions, um, they're never easy and they're they're very difficult. Um, but we felt like um, for the Atlanta Hawks to move forward and to accomplish what we set out to do this season, it, it was the right time to make this move. Um, again, um, not easy and certainly difficult. Um, but I want to. Uh, Open it up to you guys with that. All right, thank you, Travis. We will get into Q&A with the first question coming from Chris Kirshner. Why did you decide that now, instead of letting these final two games play out, was the right time instead of waiting until the All-Star break? Well, as I said, there's never a perfect time for this, right? Uh, Whether it be yesterday, whether it be tomorrow, whether it be today. 
Um, you know, but the one thing that we felt is once, once we made the decision, we thought it best just to move forward. Uh, if the decision had been made, uh, we didn't think that it made a lot of sense to wait 48 hours to do it. Sarah Spencer. Hey, Travis. Um, I know you said this is just kind of the best thing for the organization, but were there any deciding factors, anything specific you could point to that wasn't quite up to expectations? Well, you know, as we said at the beginning of the season, you know, our, our goal was to have progress this year, to, to move forward, and we just felt like that wasn't happening as quickly as we wanted it to. Um, so uh, again, uh, th these are not easy decisions. These are, these are real life decisions that affect, you know, multiple families and they're not easy. Um, but we felt like for the organization, it was the, the best thing for us to do moving forward. Uh, if I could ask a follow-up, just how much confidence do you have in Nate McMillan stepping up as interim coach? I think Nate's um, resume speaks for itself. You know, I have a ton of confidence in Coach McMillan uh, moving forward. Zach Klein. I got a quick follow-up on Sarah's question. Does, does Nate get any more uh, contract years or dollars for doing this? Uh, we don't disclose our employment agreements. And the second question is, you know, you guys have, I think, the mo second most games lost to injury this year. Um, you know, you could argument can be made that Coach Pierce, Travis, didn't have a full complement of players. Um, how could you assess what he's done knowing that the pieces you built him during the offseason were never at his disposal? Yeah, no, no question. Um, we certainly had our share of injuries. Um, you know, we've, you know, we just we just made the decision. We felt like we needed a, a new voice uh, moving forward for the second half of the season to give us the the best opportunity to get where we wanted to go. Alex Glaze. Hey Travis, just just curious. You're you're saying we um, a lot. Just who was involved in the decision making, and I guess what was the what were the discussions? Yeah, well, everything every decision I make is a collective decision with my front office. Um, you know, I'm not a man sitting in my office by myself with the doors closed. So you know, I I, am, I have a whole group in the front office, whether it's during the draft or free agency or in decisions like this. So it's the folks in my front office. And just as a, a follow-up, I guess, to that, were, were there any players involved or did you pick any brains uh, to kind of see what they thought about, about that? Because it seems like, you know, people like Lloyd, just wondering if, they, if you picked any brains. Yeah, no, um, certainly didn't go around to each player asking their opinion on stuff, you know, but I, I certainly am around the team, um, you know, especially this year with the COVID situation. I've been with the team all year long. Um, so, you know, I feel like I have a pulse on, on the team. Jeff Schultz. Travis, hirings and firings usually are ultimately the owner's decision. So if we can assume here that this ultimately was the owner's decision, um, when was that decision made exactly? And can you say why Tony is not on this phone call? Well, as I said, this, this was a decision made by myself and my basketball operations staff. Certainly, Tony, you know, signs off on all major moves we make on the basketball side or on the business side as far as that goes. Um, but th this wasn't a decision that, that Tony made. And sure, Rob, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, when exactly was the decision made? 
Uh, we, we came to the decision earlier this morning. Is there any, you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Is there any reason why you guys allowed um, your coach to go ahead and- Yeah, listen, as I said, there's never a good time. Um, we, by the time that, you know, we got to practice and everything done, you know, we, I just waited till we got back to the hotel and I sat down with LP. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Travis, uh, you had mentioned earlier about Nate's resume and how it speaks for itself. How much did that play a role in the decision, being comfortable making this decision, knowing that you all likelihood you'd be handing the reins over to Nate? Uh, well, so when we made the decision, we weren't 100% uh, certain that, um, you know, we'd be handed over to Nate. Um, you know, listen, I listen, I two and a half years ago, you know, I hired LP and, you know, I hope that we'd be together for, for a long time and certainly wanted it to work out. Um, and when Nate joined us last year, certainly didn't envision being in the situation we are today. Um, but to, to, I guess to answer your question, uh, it, it is, I suppose, a comfort knowing that we have an experienced head coach um, to answer your question. And, and along those, those same lines, uh, with Nate taking over on an interim basis, and you, you had mentioned that, you know, contract, contractual stuff, that's private, I get that. But were there some basketball concerns that you had to address with Nate to make him feel comfortable taking over the in, this job interim? And if so, what were some of those basketball concerns if he had any? You know, not really. To be completely frank with you, Nate and I um, – we didn't speak a whole lot, you know, this afternoon after we got back from practice and I sat down with Coach Pierce and, you know, we talked. Um, he, he wanted to speak to his coaches and, um, you know, I, I told him our hope was that Coach McMillan would take the job, but, you know, he wanted to speak with him first and I respected that. And then I, and then I talked to, um, to Coach uh, McMillan. So there, were, there wasn't a lot of concerns on his end by the time we spoke. You know, he was aware of the situation. Charles Odom. Um, revisiting, um, you, you, you say and you acknowledge, obviously, that there's, there's been a significant uh, number of injuries this year. Um, looking past that, um, can you say, um, was there one thing that, that um, uh, concerned you about the lack of progress with Coach Pierce, and specifically, did the um, losing fourth quarter leads on a consistent basis, is that something that led to this this decision uh no listen i i think it's it's we tried to take a much broader picture as opposed to looking down to the micro stuff like that you know my job is to take a macro view of the whole situation um and you know we just felt like at this time to be able to move forward to where we want to go this was the right decision for us eric jackson Hey Travis, I know you said this wasn't a this was a group decision, but what has the conversation been like between you and Tony just leading up to today's announcement? Obviously, he's supportive, but wondering if you could share a glimpse into you know the direction of the franchise from his point of view. Uh, well, I don't I don't think it's any secret. Tony um, is very passionate and wants the organization to be successful, um, and you know he he's willing to give us all the resources that we need to be able to do that. Um, and you know up until this point. 
uh, in my tenure here, he's been extremely ex supportive of any decision I feel like we needed to make. Um, and this was the same situation here. Thanks. Terrell Thomas. Hey, Travis, a uh, two-part question. Have you had a chance this evening uh, since uh, the departure of Coach Pierce to speak to any of the players? Have any of the players reached out to you? And uh, what will you be looking for? Do you have any hope that uh, Coach McMillan will take the job on full term and remove the interim tag? Um, yeah, so we were able to reach out to all the guys on the team uh, between myself and the staff. And then I saw some of them here at the hotel. Um, and, you know, we plan obviously to meet with them tomorrow with the group. Uh, obviously been busy uh, returning texts uh, to a lot of you guys and a lot of other people around the league, as you can imagine. Um, and then as far as the interim tag, listen, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I have the utmost confidence in Coach McMillan, but, you know, let's, let's go ahead and um, get through the first few weeks here, and then we'll, we'll worry about that once we get there. Thank you. Jarrett Weiss. You know, a lot of franchises, when they go through a rebuild, they want to bring in a coach that they know will be able to develop the young talent as it's coming in. Do you feel like at this point that you're in a, in a transition where you want to look for in your next head coach that becomes a permanent head coach, someone that can really turn this and build the winning habits and turn this into a winning club and that has experience in winning? Um, well, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of an open-ended question there, <laughs> Jared. Um, we, listen, we're right now, uh, we feel like Coach McMillan's um, going to give us the best chance um, that for the goal we set out for this year, which is to get into the you know the expanded playoff picture. Fred Khalil. Yeah, Travis, how tough is it for you? They have to fire the guy that you hired that you thought was going to be the guy of the future here. Yeah, listen, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys in your jobs ever have to let people go. Um, you know, I've been um, fortunate or unfortunate enough, however you look at it, to be in a position to have to fire people in the past. And, and I can tell you it, it's an extremely difficult thing because you're not talking about one person, you're talking about their family. And a situation when you start talking about coaches, you're talking about their assistant coaches, you're talking about their video staff. So, you know, a decision like this, I certainly don't take lightly. Um, you know, I, I've been in the NBA for a long time and fortunately been in a position to be able to do this. And these are not decisions that I take lightly at all. These, these, these decisions affect families and multiple families. Thank you. Gary Washburner. Hey, Travis, um, you, this was your first coaching hire, has been mentioned, and you hired a first-time head coach. Um, was there something that didn't develop that you wanted to develop in terms of a coaching style or the command, or did something kind of drop off over time? Like, how did, like, kind of the, the culture, uh, how did that, the culture form, and did it form in the way you wanted it to form, or was there something that you said, okay, things just never developed? Yeah, um, you know, listen, the, the, these these decisions, uh, like they're 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 difficult, man. Um, you know, 
you're you're there every day you're watching you're evaluating and you know it just it just felt like we needed a new voice to take that next step um and like i said that there there's never a good time to make that change um but just this is the sense that I had, the sense that I had with my staff who, you know, are around every day, it felt like we needed to make that change so we could make that next step. And I know that's probably vague, but I mean, that, that's honestly, honestly the truth. Dan Matthews. Uh, Travis, to kind of go off of that too, I mean, how much of this is on the guys who have been here, like Trey, John, and others that you drafted, but also too, I mean, players that you brought in this season to hopefully be able to put you over the top and, and get into the postseason. Yeah, listen, um, I don't think that you would go down any person on our roster right now. And if they were being honest with you, they tell you that they've, they've over overproduced or, or had a great season. I, I think when you, you go down the line, like that's, that's, that's on starts with me right like i'm <laughs> i'm at the top so the, you know that that starts with me um but i think if you would have an honest conversation with all our players you know they would tell you the same like we 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 haven't lived up to expectations on where we thought we'd be as a team um and i think if you asked them individually we they they're not happy with the way they perform um you know it, it's unfortunate um but I, I think that's the truth as well thank you Chris Vivillamore. Travis, I'm just, the fourth quarter issues have been well documented. And I'm wondering when push comes to shove, is that kind of what you were looking at to see the failings on where this team could get better? You know, um, I'm not going to say that that was the, the ultimate reason. I mean, certainly, obviously, in, in this business, it all comes down to wins and losses, right? And that's when the fourth quarter matters. So from that aspect, it, it certainly is a factor. But um, I, I don't think that that's the sole reason. I just feel like for us to be able to accomplish what we set out to do this year, that this was the right time to make this decision. Kevin Taylor. Uh, hi, Travis. Uh, just a couple of questions right quick. Number one, uh, going into the game tomorrow, are there going to be any other meetings between uh, you as management, Nate McMillan, the players, and so forth before the game? Yeah, Coach McMillan and I will sit down tomorrow morning with the players uh, for our first official meeting with them. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we've spoken with all of them this evening, but we'll have our first um, full team meeting tomorrow morning. Okay, and then the second question I had is, you talked about how difficult of a decision this is from a coaching standpoint, a team standpoint, but Lloyd Pierce has been your friend. And of course, we all know he was your first hire, but just talk about from an emotional standpoint that uh, this has been difficult for you by him being your friend. Yeah, listen, uh, like I said, <laughs> It's 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 certainly not an easy decision, and certainly not one that I took lightly. So it's uh, it's been a, a ta taxing day. Thanks, Alec McQuaid. Hey Travis, you keep mentioning that you would you are hoping to get a new voice uh, 
for these players. When Nate took over earlier in the season, did you notice um, the players react in a different way for those couple of games that he was in charge? I mean, it's, it was such a small sample size, right? Three games. Um, so, so it's tough to really say, um, you know, I, I think in regards to Nate, the, what I would say is that, you know, he has that presence about him. He has that experience about him. So we have the confidence that, you know, he'll be able to, to hopefully bring that out of our guys um, with it, with his own presence, with his own confidence. Um, but it, I, I think it would be uh pretty, I don't know what the right word is, but um, I don't know that you can say that you get a good read on a, a person just from watching them coach three games, I guess. To follow up on that, did you pick up on anything? I know you just said small sample size, but was there something that stuck out to you? Uh, no, just 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 his general uh, presence during a game. I mean, obviously I've seen Coach McMillan coach all the way back to when he's in supersonics and I was in Golden State and I coached against him so you know obviously I have a ton of respect for him as a person um I have a ton of respect for you know his his ability to his humility that he has on the sideline and you know just his ability to um create a sense of calm with the guys I think um which you know the hope would be that you know that passes on to our guys uh, and to not get rattled and just to to be uh, calm out there and during the game that you know that's one of the things he he preaches is stay calm stay calm chris karshner how challenging has it been for yourself to evaluate the meaningful progress that you guys wanted to make this season with the amount of significant injuries you guys have had yeah, no, it, I mean, listen, it's certainly certainly been an issue. We're not, we're not going to sit here and, you know, blame the injuries for where we are. But, um, you know, as we approach the trade deadline here in 24 days, it certainly makes it a little more difficult as we go into it, not ever having had a game this year, I think, where we've been at full strength, um, you know, with all, all the guys we signed this summer. Um, so it, it makes it a little more challenging, but you know we're not going to sit here and blame the injuries for where we are either. And a follow-up, I mean, the past two seasons that Lloyd has coached, I mean, obviously you guys were in rebuilding mode, and, and this year was the first year where there were you know expectations to meet the playoffs. Do you feel like ultimately 34 games of you know a season where there's expectations is enough to evaluate the job Lloyd has done? Well, as I mentioned, when you, when you make these decisions, man, there, there really isn't, there is no good time, no good place. Um, but once you make that decision, I just feel like you owe it to everyone to, to go through with it. And, and that's what we did. Sarah. Uh, Travis, obviously this is a crazy season in general, and now you have a kind of coaching shift. What gives you confidence that you guys still can get into the playoffs or um, the play-in tournament or whatever it may be? Well, I think the fact that we have uh, 38 games left and we're three games out of six or fifth right now. Um, so we have Yeah, you're 11th right now. Yeah, but we're three games out of sixth or fifth. Is that correct in the standings? So the, uh, the the point being, we we have a we have a ton of basketball to play, and, and we're still we're still right there. It's not like we're ten games out of the playoffs or anything like that. We're we're a couple games out. 
So, you know, you have one good week and, and you're right back into it. Zach Klein. You set up my next question, Travis, because you are only three games out of the five seed. There are nearly 40 games left. What's the downfall of waiting and making this decision at the end of the year when over this next three, four weeks, the goal is to get to the playoffs, your guys will be coming healthy, and why not just wait? Well, as I mentioned, I think as soon as you come to the rationale that, you know, it's time to make a change, uh, I just think it's clean and better for everyone involved to, to make that change. I think we've got three more. Uh, first from Jeff Schultz. Travis, unless I missed it, you, you've said, you know, once you come to that decision, make that rationale, you just go ahead and make the change. But I don't know if you've really specifically said how you reached that conclusion yet. If, with all those other guys, not with all the guys not being in the lineup. Yeah, no, I think, Jeff, the, the, the big thing was is just judging how we felt things were going, um, you know, from where we started and then we had the injuries and then just kind of the trajectory on, we felt like we needed to have some sort of change to change the trajectory, if that makes sense. And then the other thing is, again, unless I missed it, what was Lloyd's reaction? I mean, I know the other day when he spoke, he – in some ways, there was some sense of inevitability, maybe, but obviously he had just come back from a, a practice today. And Yeah, I mean, I, I won't go into great detail um, about my private conversation with him, but I will tell you that he handled it, um, it was about as honorably and gracefully as you would imagine. Thanks. We will go to Alex Glaze. Hey, Travis. Just now that the decision has been made and, you know, you've laid out goals for this season um, pretty clearly, just what, what, what kind of pressure do you feel now uh, to, to reach that? Because, I mean, you made the big decision and now it's like it's on you. How much pressure are you feeling now? Uh, listen, man, anytime you take – my job or coaching job in any professional sport, like that there's pressure to meet as soon as you take the job, um, but that just comes with the territory. So it doesn't really matter what day of the week it is, whether it's game one or game 82, you feel pressure. Trust me. Your kids come home and tell you that uh, the other kids in the school are talking about you. That That's when you feel the pressure. I guess, do you, do you feel any more now that in the general, now that you've, you know, laid out? Uh, no, listen, I don't. Um, like I said, this is this has been this has been a rough day, you know, um, just because of everything that's taken place and my relationship with Coach Pierce. But um, you know, the pressure that I have from the start of the season to today that has not changed. It's it's the same pressure. Final question from Tanitra Batiste. Hey, Travis, um, when. Nate McMillan took over as acting head coach. One of the things that Solomon Hill said was that Nate was built for this. And just after the game against the Pacers, Cam Reddish talked about um, the just the phenomenal preparation that Nate had for them. Did any one of the players specifically have any reaction or any comments or share anything when you shared with them the change from Lloyd Pierce to Nate McMillan today? No, I wouldn't say that they um... – 
you know, I think most of them were taken back. I don't think um, they they expected to get that phone call. Um, like I said, it, it it's one of those things. I'm sure that like most of you guys, you know, it it wasn't something that anyone expected to hear this afternoon. I guess. Is Thank you. Travis, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks.